0: The scripture reading is Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. In Edgerton, I, I have continued the series in Genesis since the last time I preached to you. I believe it was I was at the beginning of Genesis 2. I don't remember exactly, but I was in Genesis 2, I think, last time I preached here from this series, but now Genesis 3, verses 7 through 13, and that's the text so it's it's rather lengthy i won't reread it again I pay special attention to verses 7 through 13 now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the lord god had made and he said unto the woman yea half god said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So far, do we read God's holy word this morning? Again, the text is verses 7 through 13. We'll refer to those verses throughout the sermon. What does God do when his children sin? Adam and Eve fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. We read about that. How did God deal with them after they sinned? And we, God's children today, we sin. We sin every day. How, how does God deal with us, His children who sin? Well, Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, explains. Genesis The very name of this book means beginnings. And this book explains how God dealt with Adam and Eve at the beginning after they sinned. And so it also explains how the unchanging God deals with us after we sin. Genesis 3 verses 7 through 13 shows that God is faithful. And what God does is he graciously seeks us, his children. Oh, God hates sin. He does, and sin often brings trouble. But God is faithful to us, his children, and graciously seeks us, faithfully pursues us. And as we hear about God's gracious seeking of his children... May we grow in our trust in our God this morning. And may we respond in worship to this God who is so faithful to us who are so undeserving. May we worship his name. That's why we're here. Let's consider the text under the theme. Jehovah seeks his fallen children. Jehovah seeks his fallen children. First, the fallen children's hiding Second, the gracious Jehovah's seeking. And third, the wonderful comfort we have. First, the fallen children's hiding. <clears throat> Adam and Eve fell and then tried to cover their, their sin and their bodies with fig leaves. After Adam and Eve sinned, they became aware of their sinful condition and their exposure before the holy God. Genesis 3 verse 7 says, The eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Adam and Eve had never worn clothes in the past, but they were not ashamed in the past because they had no sin. Genesis 2 verse 25 says, They were both naked, the man and his wife, And we're not ashamed. Shame is brought about by sin and the resultant feeling of guilt. Jeremiah 3 verse 25 says, We lie down in our shame and our confusion covereth us, for we have sinned against the Lord our God. Well, before they sinned, Adam and Eve's bodies were instruments of holiness. They used their bodies to glorify God only. So there was no shame in regard to those bodies. They walked around without any clothes on with no shame. There's no sin. But after Adam and Eve sinned, their eyes were opened according to verse 7. And that their eyes were opened means that They now realized their sinful condition. They now saw the their sinful condition and and guilt before God. God had said that the day they ate of that forbidden fruit, they would die. And part of that spiritual death, or part of that death, was that they would die spiritually. They would become full of sin in every part. So that it's all they wanted to do. It's all that they could do by nature. Well, after Adam and Eve sinned, their eyes were opened in the sense that they now realized their sinful condition. And they became conscious of the fact that their bodies were now instruments of sin. Not instruments of holiness anymore, but instruments of sin. Their bodies were instruments of sin even against each other. So that instead of looking on each other truly with love, truly seeking the good of one another, they looked on one another's bodies as objects of lust. They looked at each other as objects of lust and not in true love. After sinning, Adam and Eve became aware of their sinful condition, became aware of their sinful body, and were aware that they were exposed before the Holy God verse 10 Adam says I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Adam and Eve knew their their bodies were instruments of sin and exposed before the holy perfect God who hates sin. They knew that God hated sin and that he punished punishes sinners. Well knowing their sin was exposed before the holy God, they tried to cover Their sin and their bodies with fig leaves. Verse 7 says, The eyes of them both were opened. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now that was quite a foolish attempt because they were trying to cover their sin and their pollution from the sight of the all-seeing God. How could fig leaves or any other clothes they made really make them any less naked before the all-seeing God? How could those clothes really cover their sinful bodies from the all-seeing God? And even more so, how could those clothes really cover their sinful hearts? hearts within from the all-seeing God. That pollution within. No clothes could hide their sinful hearts. God saw their guilt. By sowing fig leaves to try to cover themselves, Adam and Eve really showed that in that action, that their minds had been darkened by sin. They should have looked to God for deliverance. He's the only one who could bring it. But having their minds now darkened with sin... Adam and Eve, they tried to solve the problem of sin themselves. They tried to provide their own covering, a covering that would never work. Well, that should be applied to today. Today, natural man also foolishly tries to cover his sin and sinful nature with fig leaves. Natural man knows that there's a perfect God, and realizes there's something wrong with him, and that he deserves punishment. For it from this holy God. So he attempts to cover up his own sin and his sinful nature. And how does he try to cover it up? With good deeds often. He does good deeds, he thinks. He maybe says, I I am after all I am a family man. Do my best to take care of my family and I'm active in the community. Oh, I'm not perfect, that's certain. I'm not perfect, but overall I'm a pretty good person, so, so there's something good for me after this life. Essentially, that one is trying to cover their sin, their wrongdoings, with their kind deeds. And that's also foolish because the Holy God still sees their sin and their sinful nature. But natural man doesn't understand that. Doesn't understand that because of his sinful nature. Now we also can fall into this sin of trying to use our works to cover up our sin and sinful nature. We still have a sinful nature. We know that. And we can think after we sin, we can sometimes think, well, at least I'm not I don't quite do what my neighbor does. Oh, I'm, I'm not perfect. I, I have sinned, but I'm not quite as bad as them over there. I do this and I do that. And we can start to think we've made ourselves to differ and really gained heaven for ourselves by the things that we do. These works are as effective at covering our sins as fig leaves were for Adam and Eve they they don't cover our sin and sinful nature in the holy god's sight. And remember, even our best works are stained with sin. So those works that we do are not effective at covering our sin in the holy god's sight. Adam and Eve first tried to cover their sin and sinful nature with fig leaves. Then when they heard God, the holy God, come into the garden, they then tried to hide, tried to hide from him. Verse 8 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Jehovah God, the holy God, came into the garden, into the presence of Adam and Eve. Verse 8 presupposes that Jehovah appeared in some form to Adam and Eve in the garden. It says they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And that could be translated, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It seems that Jehovah appeared in some form to Adam and Eve in this garden of Eden. Maybe it was the case that he uh, appeared in the form of the angel of jehovah we read of that often in the old testament the angel of jehovah coming and appearing to god's people well maybe jehovah appeared in that way to them as the angel of jehovah the text indicates it was normal for him to come into the garden and walk with them and talk with them it doesn't seem from the text that jehovah's coming into this garden was unusual at all In fact, the way Adam responds seems to be a normal, everyday occurrence. In verse 9, God says to Adam, Where art thou? And in verse 10, Adam responds by saying, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. That seems to indicate that God came regularly into the garden, and normally, Adam would... Meet him there and, and walk with him and talk with him. This time, Adam hid Adam hit himself. Notice, Adam doesn't even directly answer God's question in verse 10. God says, where art thou? And Adam doesn't say directly. He just says, I, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That seems to indicate it was normal for God to come. This time, Adam doesn't come meet him. He hides instead. This day that Adam and Eve sinned and ate of the forbidden fruit, Jehovah came to visit them in the cool of the day, according to verse 8. And that phrase, cool of the day, means wind of the day. likely refers to the cool evening breezes. And likely that was the time that God normally came to speak with Adam and Eve, walk with them, talk with them. He probably came the same day that they sinned. For it's unlikely that God would wait the whole night to pronounce a curse upon the devil and seek his children after they sinned. It's probably that very day that they sinned. During the cool evening breezes, Jehovah comes to Adam and Eve. When they heard Jehovah coming, they heard that sound in the garden. They were terrified. They were terrified and tried to hide from him amidst the trees. That's what Adam says. He says, I was afraid. Verse 10, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. And that means I was terrified. He knew that he had blatantly sinned against the holy God. It took the sight of the devil right in the holy God's presence there in the garden. He knew he did that. And as he heard the voice or the sound of the Lord God coming in that garden in the cool of the day, as he heard that, it became very clear to him, these fig leaves that I have over me, they're not going to to provide a proper covering. They can't cover me from the all-seeing God. He was terrified. He was terrified knowing that he deserved to have the wrath of the Almighty Creator come down upon him. And oh, did he know that power of the Almighty Creator. He was one who lived in that Garden of Eden that had yet been been untouched by the curse. Perfect creation. He saw God's beauty all around him every day. Knew God's power. And he knew he deserved to have the Almighty God's wrath come down on him for what he did. He tried to hide then among the trees of the garden from that holy God's presence. But what a foolish attempt. Kids, you know, you can't hide from God. He knows everything. He sees everything. You can't hide from him. In verse 9, God does say, Where art thou? But God knew where they were. God was asking that question, where art thou? With the goal of bringing them to see their sin and bring them to confession of it. They didn't want to be near him and they had to learn that the reason they didn't want to be near him is because they had sinned and the consequences of it. The all-knowing God knew where they were. So this attempt of Adam and Eve to hide was foolish. Foolish. It was also sinful. They should have looked to God, the the only one who could bring deliverance. But instead, they ran away from his presence. They attempted to hide as those who had a totally depraved, sinful nature. That, too, can be applied to today. Today, natural man, he acts as if he can hide from God and escape His judgment. Men continue in their sins acting as if they'll never have to answer for their deeds. And men run from God as best they can. They want nothing to do with with church and do not want to hear about how holy God is and how he hates sin and punishes sinners. They run from that kind of talk that terrifies them. Apart from God's grace, we do the same. We also continue in sin, acting as if we can somehow be hidden from God. Apart from God's grace, we run from hearing about His holiness and hearing about how He punishes sinners. We try to hide from Him. We try to hide from Him by nature and do not look to Him for salvation. That's us by nature. See that. No better than Adam and Eve. That brings us to the wonderful truth of Jehovah's grace. We've seen that hiding. but Jehovah was so gracious to Adam and Eve. And Jehovah is so gracious to us too. Jehovah sought his fallen children here. And they needed that. Adam and Eve needed Jehovah to seek them. To bring them to see their sin. Confess and look to him for deliverance through the Christ. Adam and Eve needed Jehovah to seek them because Adam and Eve would never have sought God first. Never. Why? Well, they had just eaten of the forbidden fruit and they were dead in sin by nature. Dead in sin by nature. Adam and Eve would never have pursued God on their own confessing, repenting and looking for deliverance through to, looking to God for deliverance. And note, without God coming to them, they did not even know about the promise of the Savior. And they did not even know about the the possibility of forgiveness in the way of confession and repentance. They did not know about it. Left to themselves, they certainly would have continued to hide from God in terror. They needed Jehovah to seek them. They needed Jehovah to the Almighty Creator to pursue them in their hiding place. They needed Him to to pursue them to such a degree that He would bring them to see their sin, confess, and look to Christ for salvation. They needed Him to pursue them by giving them that promise of the Savior. If Jehovah didn't seek them, you think about what would happen If Jehovah did not seek them, they would go on in unrepentance. They would live the rest of their life on earth terrified of the Almighty Creator. And then when they died physically, they'd go to hell where they would experience torment forever for their sins. They needed Jehovah to seek them. And Jehovah sought them. Jehovah sought them. He came to the garden in the wind of the day. He made his presence known. Verse 8 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So after they had sinned so horribly and took the side of Satan, Jehovah still enters that garden. Adam and Eve then hide. But verse 9 shows that God called for them. Verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Saying, Adam, I used to meet you in the garden, but now you're hiding. Why? Why now? God called for Adam and then sought him further by bringing him out of hiding to answer his question. Adam says in verse 10, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God drew Adam out of his hiding place to answer this question. And speak about his nakedness, about his sin, really. God pursued Adam and Eve, especially in a spiritual sense, working to bring them to see their sin, confess, and look to Christ. By asking, where art thou? God was bringing Adam To start to talk about his sin. But even then, when Adam first talks about how he's naked, he doesn't make a true confession of sin. He does not look to God for salvation in verse 10. God continues to pursue him, to seek him. He does so in verse 11 by clearly pointing out now the sin to Adam. He says, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? You were naked before, Adam, but not afraid. Now you're afraid. Did you eat of the forbidden tree? God's pointing the the sin out clearly to them. And and Adam and Eve then answer, notice, by blame shifting. But God continues to seek them. Verse 11, God says, Have not I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Adam replies in verse 12, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Adam, as his sin pointed out to him, he still doesn't make a true confession. Adam doesn't make a true confession because he takes no responsibility for what happened. He blames it on the woman. He blames it on Eve. Says, she gave it to me. And really, in blaming it upon Eve, he even blames it on God. He says to God, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree. He suggested that if God had not made this woman, he would never have fallen into this sin. Adam blame shifts. God turns to Eve. Eve does the same thing. She blame shifts as well. Verse 13, God says, what is this that thou hast done? He says that to the woman. And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So the serpent lied. He deceived. He led me astray. That's why I ate. Adam and Eve were not taking responsibility. They were blame shifting. But God continues to pursue them. What happens next? Well, God turns to the serpent. But in speaking to the serpent, he gives the promise of the Savior, right in front of Adam and Eve, he gives the promise of the Savior from sin in verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So he's saying that to the serpent. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it, that's the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head, serpent, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And really, that verse in in the original language is saying, thou, seed of the woman, shall crush the serpent's head. Crush it. The seed of the woman, this promised seed of the woman is Christ, according to the New Testament. Hebrews 2 verses 14 through 15 shows that it's Christ who would crush Satan's head by his work at the cross. He'd crush it. He would come and, and crush the devil's head by earning salvation for all of God's people. He would cover the sins of all God's people, truly cover those sins. Adam and Eve had attempted to do so, couldn't do it. This promised seed of the woman would, would truly cover all the sins of Adam and Eve and God's people in the sight of the Holy God. He would defeat the devil. The devil wouldn't be able to take any one of them to hell. God sought Adam and Eve by pointing them to the promised Savior. And then by working in them, continuing to seek them, by working, them, working in them to confess and look to Jesus Christ, the promised Savior. See of the woman. We know that they did confess their sins and look to the promised Savior for all their salvation. First of all, from the very names that they gave to their children. The Bible does not come out and directly say, speak of their repentance and confession and looking to the Christ. But it certainly implies it, implies it quite clearly. First of all, it's true in their names. They gave their children names that showed they had hope that God was going to send this promised Savior. For instance, after after Cain killed Abel, Adam and Eve named their next son Seth. And that means appointed. In Genesis 4, verse 25, Eve says, For God hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So Eve had hope that this child would be the one from whom the seed came, the Christ. Also, consider that in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve's son Abel made a bloody sacrifice that pointed to The sacrifice of the promised Savior. The bloody sacrifice that he would make. God was pleased with that sacrifice of Abel. Adam and Eve must have taught Abel to make a sacrifice like that. Must have taught him what it all meant. How that bloody sacrifice pointed to the one who would come and save them from their sins. Adam and Eve must have taught their son about that, or else he wouldn't have made such a sacrifice. God sought Adam and Eve clearly, so that they did confess their sins, and they did hope for the promised Savior, Christ. God sought them, and all that continued seeking that we heard about, God did that as the faithful Jehovah. The faithful Jehovah. God is called in this text, verses 7 through 13, His name every time is the Lord God. And you'll see the the name Lord in all capital letters in each instance. And whenever that name Lord is in all caps, that name is Jehovah in the original language. And that name is so important here. That name Jehovah, it emphasizes, it really means that God is faithful to his covenant people. He's faithful. That name Jehovah means I am. We can say that I was this way in the past and and now I'm different. Because we're really changing every minute. But Jehovah is the I am, meaning I am the same always In scripture this name emphasizes God's covenant faithfulness to his people throughout For instance God uses this name Jehovah when he talks to the Israelites before he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt He told Moses to tell the people My name's Jehovah so I'll be with you the whole journey from Egypt all the way to Canaan I'm faithful I'm Jehovah I never change. Now, think about this. That same name that emphasizes his faithfulness, that's the name that the Holy Spirit inspired to be used in this passage, this text. This name is used to emphasize God's great faithfulness to Adam and Eve. What faithfulness it really was when you think of what happened. Adam and Eve had dwelled in perfect covenant friendship with God in the garden. They then sinned horribly against God, choosing the side of the devil against God. Yet God was faithful to them and sought them. He promised the Savior, and He then worked in them repentance and faith. That's amazing faithfulness. You think of how easy it is for us to to cast off someone who's done something wrong to us. They do something wrong, we think, I oh, don't really want anything to do with them right now. Maybe never either. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and took the side of the devil against Him. And Jehovah sought them and continued seeking them. Even when they tried to cover themselves, even when they tried to hide, even when they blame shifted, sought them. That's the faithful God. And how gracious He is in seeking God. His fallen children here. How gracious He is. God's grace is His attitude of undeserved favor towards His people. Undeserved favor. Adam and Eve deserved to have God's wrath come upon them forever after they sinned. They had been God's friends in the garden and they had willingly sinned against the holy God. They deserve then to have God's anger come upon them to be left in their sin, to be left terrified and in fear, and then die and go to hell. But instead, God sought them in the garden. He approached them, they hid. He calls out to them, they blame shift. Even after they blame shift, he promises the Savior, and he works in them to confess And look for all their salvation in that promised Savior. That's grace. That's undeserved favor. See that. See how gracious God is this morning. The gracious God renewed His covenant with Adam and Eve based on the promise of Christ. He didn't cast them away as they deserved. Why? He saw them in connection with With the promised Christ to come, the one who would cover all the sins of God's people. And so God continued to seek them and friendship with them. He acted as Jehovah the faithful towards them based on the work of Christ to come, the one that God was sending for them. God was so gracious. And God also was so gracious to us, His people today, in seeking Adam and Eve way back then and promising a Savior. God was so gracious to us. Think about this. We fell on Adam. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So Romans 5 verse 12 saying that when one man sinned, all sinned. When one man sinned and took the side of the devil, all of us sinned and took the side of the devil there in the garden. So Adam and Eve and all the humans that came from them deserved to be left in their sin and live in terror of God's judgment for all their days on this earth. And then when they die, go to hell. That's what you and I deserve. Children, that's what you deserve too. Say that in your heart this morning. I deserve God's anger to be on me because I sinned in Adam. But God, remember, graciously sought Adam and Eve, and He promised the Savior.
1: Jehovah didn't
0: abandon Adam and Eve or His children that would flow from them. He promised the Savior that would cover the sins of his children. So how graciously God really was seeking us there already in the garden and promising that Savior to come and cover our sins. That Savior would come and purchase for us all the gifts of salvation by his death. He would purchase for us all the gifts of salvation, including faith, and spiritual strength to serve God and worship Him. And live a life of repentance. and Conversion. Because of His work, Christ's work, we lean on Jesus even now. So God is Jehovah. He is the one who faithfully and graciously seeks His children. And what, what a comfort that is. That's the last thing this morning. What a comfort this is. For us today, we still having a sinful nature, we fall into sin now still, and we deserve to have God's wrath come upon us and be cast away. Oh we have been redeemed in Jesus Christ, and we are God's friends, but we still have a sinful nature in us, and we have that as just consequence for our sin in Adam. Having a sinful nature, we sin and we even walk in sin sometimes in in weakness. You think about those times in your life. Think about that for a moment. Really think about it. Time in our life where we walked in sin even for a time. Continuing on in unrepentance. Not really caring about what we did. Maybe that was idolatry of something, or bitterness, or envy, or lust. But when we sin, when we walked in sin, we took the side of the devil over against God. the God who is so good to us. So you see very clearly we deserve to be cast off. Left in our sins. We deserve to be left in unrepentance. And to have that almighty God's wrath come upon us forever. But Jehovah graciously seeks us. Graciously seeks us today too as he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Think of that. He's Jehovah. He's the unchanging God. So how he sought his children in the garden is how he seeks us. How he seeks me. How he seeks you, his children today. When we fall, he brings me, he brings you to see our sins, to confess them, to look to Jesus Christ for all our salvation and to turn. He might even use great difficulties in our lives to bring us to see those sins. That's chastisement. We know what that's like, where we're walking in a wrong way, but Jehovah used troubles at that time to bring us to see the folly of sin and to look to him for all of our salvation in Christ. And He works mightily through the Word to turn us unto Himself. As we read in Hebrews, that Word is sharper than any two-edged sword dividing us under soul and spirit. That's our God. Through the Word, He works in us to put away the blame shifting, put away the excuses. Instead, see those sins, confess, look to Christ, and turn. It's done that in our lives already talked a little bit ago about really thinking about those times in the past where we walked in sin for a time. Well, think of this too. We were walking in a dark way, a wrong way. What did Jehovah do? Jehovah worked in us powerfully through the Word to put away the blame shifting, put away the excuses to bring us to look, see our sin, confess it, and look to Christ. He did that. What a wonderful God He is. What a seeking God He is. And He will do that. He's Jehovah. He doesn't change. He'll be with us even unto the end. He'll never let us be destroyed, going on and on in unrepentance unto death. As we sang a versification of before the sermon, in Psalm 136, His grace abideth ever, His mercy Faileth never. He sees us in Christ. He'll never let us be destroyed. Praise God for that today. Today and this week, think of Jehovah's gracious seeking of you in your life. Stand amazed at that and walk in Jehovah's ways in gratitude. There are any here today that are right now walking in a, a certain sins or in in many sins. See that. Look to God for forgiveness in Jesus' blood. Turn, turn unto Him. Walk in Jehovah's ways. Amen. Let's pray. Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we come humbly before Thee and we acknowledge before Thee how great Thou art. Thou art so good to us, we stand amazed that Thou dost seek us. Even in times where we were going on in the side of the devil, not confessing, walking in a wrong way, Thou dost bring us to see those sins and turn unto Thee. And we pray that Thou will continue to be faithful to us as Thou hast promised. Continue to be faithful to us, not because we are worthy, but for Jesus' sake. It's in his name alone we pray. Amen.